Do as I do, consult the spirits, Commodore Vanderbilt told a Tribune reporter in 1870 when asked how he'd made his millions. Then he added, concerning the stock of the Central Pacific Railroad, It's bound to go up. Mrs. Woodhull said so in a trance. Two decades ago, I came across this exchange in connection with a book I was writing on the Vanderbilt family. I had no idea what it meant, though it piqued my curiosity. Soon afterward, I discovered that the Commodore was a dedicated spiritualist, one of an estimated two million or so in the United States in the post-Civil War decade. Also, I learned that Mrs. Woodhull, another dedicated spiritualist, was the notorious Victoria Woodhull, whom a tabloid referred to in 1872 as the prostitute who ran for president. These fragmentary details led me to look further into the connection between Vanderbilt and Woodhull, and especially into spiritualism. From the study of spiritualism, I was inevitably led to the women's rights movement, both before and after the Civil War, for one of the many ways women managed to relieve the burdens imposed upon their gender was by seeking empowerment through the spirits. Not all members of the women's rights movement were spiritualists, but women's rights were inseparable from spiritualism. What interested me most was how the social and sexual mores The pressures and events of that time affected these people, particularly women. I have relied mainly on such primary sources as letters, diaries, conversations recorded in shorthand, the public and private writings of the principals concerned, trial transcripts, and, of course, the newspapers of the day. In 1870, there were 35 daily newspapers in New York and another 18 in Brooklyn. The papers of those icons of the women's movement, Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony, are contained in 110 reels of microfilm that I have been fortunate enough to live with for the past few years. Much of the research for this book has been culled from the thousands upon thousands of pages of brittle, yellowing trial transcripts. The Great Vanderbilt Will Contest, the case brought by Roxana Hummel Claflin, Victoria Woodhull's vengeful mother, against Victoria's second husband, Colonel James Blood, the murder trials of Daniel McFarland, Hester Vaughan, Edward Ned Stiles Stokes, and especially the trial involving the distinguished journalist Theodore Tilton, who sued the leading churchman of his day, Henry Ward Beecher, for having seduced his wife. The Beecher-Tilton scandal trial as it came to be known, captured the imagination of the American public much as the O.J. Simpson trial has in our time. For two years, it dominated headlines and was exhaustively analyzed in private homes, public auditoriums, and pulpits throughout the nation, as well as in several books. Although the trial seemingly revolved around an alleged seduction, it also raised in the most vivid way the issue of sexual relations at that time and the role of church and state in defining and regulating these relations. As I was led deeper and deeper into the world of Victorian America, I was surprised to find that many of the books I read, especially the biographies, had little to say about the larger historical context surrounding their subjects.
To see how the people and events associated with Victoria Woodhull interacted, I created, with the help of a computer, a chronology that eventually extended to 400 pages. From this, I was able to see what the various characters, whose lives intersected with Victoria's, were doing and often thinking at specific times. People who seemed, in the books I'd read, to dwell in separate worlds could now be seen as parts of a larger drama. This inevitably led to a better understanding of the texture of the age and the lives of women than I had previously encountered.